Hello, everybody. I'm Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called The Public, which I think everybody should see. It's about a public library and a sit-in that takes place with the homeless people that are there. But why should I talk about it when I have the director, writer, producer, and star? You must be exhausted, Emilio. I am. Yeah. I am. <laughs> here Just he is, the, anyway. Emilio yeah, Estevez. Thank you so much. Thank you for being Thanks here. Thanks so much, Peter. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I, we talked a little bit before about how you seem to disappear in the right. world. You know, people right. who are interviewing now are always saying as if that was the last movie you made was The Breakfast Club. Right. No, it's He's true. He's back in it's the true. library. He's back in the library after 35 years. years. Imagine that. Where's he been for 35 Where years? Where has he been? Right. No, yeah. it's true. But you, this one really did take some time for you to get launched, didn't it? It did. It took, uh, in fact, this week is the... Um, is the, uh, the the anniversary of the 12 years that it's <laughs> that where I began this is this started April 1st 2007 uh, it began uh, with the LA Times arriving at the house I opened it up I read an article written by a librarian who was retiring from Salt Lake City his name was Chip Ward and the piece was about how um, libraries had become de facto homeless shelters and how librarians were now tasked with being first responders and, and effectively being de facto social workers. And so I was really moved by the piece. I had done the bulk of uh, my research for Bobby down at the, um, at, at the downtown branch mm -hmm. of the public library. And so I went back uh, to the library to see if it was in fact every bit as bad as uh, Mr. Ward was talking about. And, and of course it was not localized to Salt Lake City. This was happening in Los Angeles and in really every urban library uh, across the country. And so I started imagining what it would look like if the patrons, most of whom were homeless and some of whom are mentally ill, what if they staged an old-fashioned 60s protest? Mm -hmm. What would that look like? Uh, on a particularly cold night, they decided, we're not leaving. Um, how would law enforcement react? Mm -hmm. How would the press spin that? And how might a politician who is in the middle of an election cycle, how might he use that event and change the narrative for his own political gain? You hear about that and you think, oh, there's a sit-in, it's the public library, and I'm not knocking any documentaries that are made about it, you know, sure. like the Weissman's or Sure, Ex Libris, Ex Libris is great, it's about this, but in order for an audience to be uh, paying attention, you can't give them a sermon and say, you, can't. you should be doing this. No, it can't be didactic. It can't, you can't beat the audience over the head. It is, uh, I didn't make a, 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 what someone called a, a, a kale salad. <laughs> a kale salad's good for you and you should eat it. <laughs> I don't we don't want, want it. it. Yeah. So, so I think this is more like a gluten-free cheesecake if, to, to, <laughs> to continue the, the food analogy. I want to see that in, right? the, in the, the poster. This movie is a gluten-free gluten cheesecake. cheesecake. <laughs> I, but, but we've, we're on a 30-city tour. Uh, I've taken the film from Seattle down the coast, across the country. We screened it at libraries, at, at, uh, at the ALA convention, American mm -hmm. Library Association convention in New Orleans. We did it in, uh, up in Seattle at the, at the Midwinter Conference. I've screened it for uh, homeless advocacy groups, screened it in homeless shelters. And what's, what has been so gratifying for me as, as a filmmaker is to watch the story unfold for the people I made it for. This movie celebrates the misfits and the outcasts and the marginalized and the poor. And they're seeing themselves on screen and they're saying, wow, that's, I'm, that's me. Uh, that's, and it's inspiring them. They're feeling empowered as they see it. And so that is ultimately who I made the movie for. Uh, so 
it, it's, uh, it, it's been quite a ride, and, and I, I believe worth every bit of the 12 years that I've invested uh, in, in, in this project. It sounds like just this, because how many days did you actually have to shoot it? So, well, you know, you know, so, uh, yeah, what it takes to, it takes to get to a film. make an independent movie, yeah. This is, Usually this, you have a day and a half, right. but it takes you 12 years to get it. Exactly. So we, right. we shot this yeah. film in, uh, in 22 days, yeah, which, see. again, was, uh, I had to be very well prepped. Uh, and, and it was a feat, really, of the editor uh, of this film because the movie has an enormous cast. And it ha we had to make it look like they were all there at the same time. And so you reach they out to weren't. Jeffrey Wright. Mm, a lot of them weren't. <laughs> I know, right? So Alec Baldwin, you've got for, for five days. And Jeffrey Wright comes in and out of shooting Westworld. And he's got, you know, six days. And Taylor Schilling's in the middle of doing Orange is a New Black. And she's got four days. So how, and you're looking at everybody's schedule and you're thinking, don't they understand? Don't they get it? But actors, you know, they, they don't. Unless you've directed, you don't totally understand what the director is, is going through, <laughs> trying to make all that. And I don't bring any of that stress to the set. I don't, they never know what's going on underneath the, the mask Well, that's pretty pain. great, too, because this time, you know, as opposed to the way where you were in it for 10 seconds. Four seconds, yeah, right, exactly. This is you every scene. Right, Yeah. right. No, and, and, there, and the scenes that I just uh, was directing where I didn't have to work as an actor, those days where I, could, I, didn't, have to, I didn't have to shower, I didn't have to put on clean clothes. No it was shaving. Th th nothing. <laughs> was, those, are, those are the great days. But, um, but again, um, I, I couldn't wait for someone else to say yes to the role of Stuart. Uh, again, that's, that would, might have been another four years. Uh, <laughs> this was a situation where it's like, we, we pulled the funding together, we're gonna make this film, let's go. Uh, and then, of course, the obvious connections were, well, Emilio's back in the library after 35 years. There's a, that Breakfast Club connection. Um, That'll I, I, never end. It, it will never, never end. No, no, you're right. No. And, and that film just, you know, it, it, it ended up being a very iconic film. And, and I'm grateful for that. But, mm -hmm. you know, you talk to enough actors, nobody knows what the hell is, is going to happen when they say yes to a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a, that, that movie I, I auditioned for. Uh, and, and the same day I auditioned for uh, Chips, that, that TV show, and, and maybe a Taco Bell commercial. That was the days where you could drive in L.A., Right, which you can't anymore, and you could go to eight, nine, ten auditions in a day. Mm -hmm. uh, so they just happened to say yes. Uh, John Hughes said yes, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in this movie. Who knew, 35, almost 35 years later, but that we'd still be talking about but it. That, because it is very strange, because people are always on to the next thing, and yet right. certain things do it, but that whole invented term about the Brat Pack That's right. and yeah. you're doing uh, Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire and then to me, you know, you'll always be Gordon Bombay too, Mighty Ducks, come right. on, you right. know, that just has right. an effect. It, yeah. My kid growing up, it was that people want to watch that kind sure. of thing. No, but, they do. But you moved on from that, even though the rest of the world <laughs> won't let you. They won't and, 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 and <laughs> won't. you know, Maybe I need to show up, uh, you know, looking like an old man before they, you know, before I don't know, they... No, but Amelia, you don't do that. You don't, you direct for television, but mm -hmm. you don't show up on it. You're not right. in, like, the latest Netflix, HBO no, thing where you're acting. No, no, which isn't to say that I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I love acting. I, mm -hmm. I love the process. I love being on set. And I love the community that, that, that is created when you're, when you're in the middle of a project. Uh, but um, but it, it would have to be the right thing. 
I mean, obviously my dad had enormous success with the West mm -hmm. Wing and my brother with, with Two and a Half Men. So uh, it's, it's, uh, there, are, there are examples within my own family where television has, has worked out very well. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't rule it out. Oh, yeah. I don't rule it out. Um, and I think potentially, and, and we're, I'm talking to a couple of companies about this, but the public could be a great TV show. Could be a great series. Do 10, 12 episodes uh, per season. And it's a show that you can move from, from city to city. You could do the first season in, in Cincinnati. Oh, different. Jet jettison the cast, yeah. put, put a new one uh, in, and, and set it in Seattle, New York Public Library. I mean, you could, it's a show that you could move all over the, all over the, the, the country. But at, at the root of it, to me, is an issue of uh, civil disobedience. Yeah. And we yeah. live in an era now, I don't want to get super political, but where uh, our, our civil liberties are being squeezed. That's right. And That's right. so even though you were waiting 12 years, I don't think it could have landed <laughs> at yeah, a more yeah, pertinent a time, time yeah. Um, yeah. in terms right. of what we see and Absolutely what right. that's about. Yeah. But when you do this in, in terms of your social consciousness, is that something been with you all your life? Because I, I said before, Bobby, which is the assassination of, of Robert Kennedy, but about people becoming politically engaged as a result of who he represented and him being gone, the way um, a movie I really think is an essential kind of thing for people to watch Thank about you. a spiritual pilgrimage. Thank you. you know, uh, El Camino de Santiago. That's right. And now with the public, you're doing this. Is this something that you have in your head as this is what I want to do? I want to make movies that won't make me a dime, but that are going to. I know that's a sad, <laughs> terrible thing to say. But of course, that's not true because it doesn't cost a fortune to do it. So it can that's right. So the ROI on this can be. But it's not it, making it, Avengers money. It's not. No, yeah. no, not many films do. Do. <laughs> uh, but but a, a f when you make films that are personal. Uh, you, they do come with a cost, to your point. Uh, they come with a personal cost. They oftentimes come with a financial cost, uh, not just lost opportunity, but sometimes you're putting your own uh, uh, funds to, to keep it going or to get it going mm -hmm. initially. So um, I think that you know, 20 years ago, I, I really took a, a left turn, if you will. I stopped making movies for the studios and I started making movies for me, movies that I felt that, uh, were movies that I would go see, but also films that w were um, about people, fil films that have a shared humanity. And I think if you look at those, f uh, I'm talking specifically, it started with The War at Home. It was about a, a vet suffering from PTSD, mm -hmm. 1972. Kathy Bates played my mother, my father uh, plays my dad, Kimberly Williams plays my sister. And it's a family coming to grips with what post-traumatic stress disorder looks like before we knew what to call it. And so it began there. And then, of course, Bobby and The Way and now The Public. I think all of the last 20 years have, have, have really informed where I'm at right now. And I think what those films all have in common is that I don't believe anybody walks the planet pain-free. You know, we all have a certain amount of, of, of trauma in our lives. And, and, whether we, and it's really about, it's about degrees and about how we process that trauma. And so uh, I think that all of these films have the, the, the common thread of shared trauma. 
what does it look like w without Bobby Kennedy in the world? What does it look like when a family can't deal with the vet returning from uh, the war? What does a spiritual journey look like when you're experiencing grief because of the loss of a son? And now with the public, what does it look like for the poor and the marginalized and the outcasts and the misfits to uh, be criminalized continually and, and have their resources taken away? Uh, what does that look like uh, in, in the context of, 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 this, uh, of this new film? And so I, I think, again, they have a shared humanity and they have a, they, these films have a shared um, a, a, a trauma uh, and, and, what, and what loss and what grief look like. But your films, all of the ones that you mentioned, don't leave you at the end despairing. No. They, they deal with despairing issues, but there's, there's a sense that there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. You've been called naive for that? I know. I know. And the sense is, if that's what naivete is, then, you know, let's have some more. Wow. Because we do live in a world where everybody has become cynical about right. the idea of what the process I, is. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, I would say that um, yeah, I, I, am a, I am not an optimist mm -hmm. because I think that's naive. Mm -hmm. uh, I am uh, what Dr. King called a, a prisoner of hope. I am a prisoner and I am happy to be jailed. Uh, in that in that lockup as a prisoner of hope for the rest of my life. I think if, if you don't have hope, uh, then you are going to live in despair. And, and I want my films uh, to, to be a reflection of that. I want people to go out on, on, a, on a note where they, uh, where, where they may too uh, be willing to join me in that prison. But I don't know, you seem... You know, we were talking before, where do you go, Beijing? What were you doing during that 12 years while you were waiting for it to be? Is everything good? Everything's great. Everything good? No, Everything's I, um, good with the folks? The, the, my dad's on Grace and Frankie. He's, uh, he's, he's on a Netflix show. They, uh, they're in their sixth season. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom, is, she turns 80 this year, mm -hmm. um, along with uh, uh, John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath. Uh -huh. That also turns 80 this yeah. year. They're about four days apart. So... Um, I, uh, and Charlie's okay. Charlie's doing great. Uh, he's he's you know I'm not speaking out of class. He's yeah. got 16 uh, months of sobriety now, and it's like it's amazing. There are just there are miracles happening all around us. <laughs> and uh, my dad's 79, mm -hmm. and uh, and and healthy and 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 in great spirits. So I'm I'm blessed. First of all, I'm living in the bonus. Uh, I have my parents are still together. They're still alive. Uh, my siblings are terrific. Uh, those those 12 years, uh, I, I made the way. Uh, during mm -hmm. during that time, but um, but I got uh, involved in the wine business. I, I learned how to how to. Uh, uh, I actually planted I a vineyard, Pinot my, Noir, Pinot Noir in my backyard. I had yeah. a thousand vines, uh, so I, I was making wine in the garage. Uh, for starters, it became a business. I learned how to grow my own food. I had chickens for eggs. I kept bees. I had a worm box. So I was taking. I mean, I was I was a small farmer, but I was growing two tons of produce on an acre of land every year. Now imagine, that's, that's 4,000 pounds. It's an industry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so was, and I had to learn how to can now because I've got 400 pounds of, of, of cucumbers that all come ripe at the same time. So I was, uh, I, I learned some skills that didn't involve <laughs> acting, and yet there were things that inform your life moving on. There are skills that, um, that you, you don't ever lose. No matter how old you get, you, I'm always going to know how to how to make cheese. I'm always going to know how to plant food. I'm always 
Yeah, I'm gonna know how to. Well, can I mean, and, cook and that and, seems like it has a forward motion to it. You don't seem to live in the past, do you? We I, don't I, really see you when they have all these movies you did. No, and they have anniversaries. No. I won't do. Re- Edward Shea has a book. Uh, sorry, don't want no retrospective, right? <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Ed, man. It's like uh, I don't. Uh, if you walk into my house, there are no movie posters up. There are mm-hmm. no photos of famous people. There, there's family pictures and there's mm-hmm. books and some art and a little bit of furniture. But for the most part, if you don't know what I do, you won't know what I do mm-hmm. because I'm not, again, to your point, I'm not living in the past. Uh, I'm, I'm, I try to be as forward thinking as, as, as I can. Uh, oftentimes people want to drag you back there. And to your point, Breakfast Club reunions and Mighty Ducks reunions. And, and, I, and I explain to the producers and the directors whose feelings are often hurt and cast members too. I mean, Molly Ringwald's been very vocal. She's like, oh, Emilio's the, the, what did she call me, the Greta Garbo of, of the cast <laughs> that I don't want to be. It's like, that, that I, I don't just want to be left alone. Of course not. I, I enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I enjoy being out and, and talking to people and, and being in the world, but I don't, and I'm not uh, uh, interested in, 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 uh, in going backwards and, 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 and living in, in my past. I, I don't want my previous work to influence or inform what I'm, what, what I'm going to do, what's next. But what do you want the most from an audience going to see this movie? How would you like them to feel when they leave it? That they would see themselves on screen. That they would see, uh, again, we talked earlier about just the importance of libraries, the importance of civil disobedience, the importance of your First Amendment right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the free speech, the the the, uh, the importance of the right to assemble, uh, the really what's going on in this country with the marginalization and the criminalization of the poor uh, is I find unacceptable. I'm not okay with that. Mm-hmm. And when you have 575,000 homeless individuals uh, that on any given night don't have a roof over their head. Uh, that's, I'm not okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, you have a, a system that continues to criminalize these people for the situation that they're in, I'm also not okay with that. So how do we collectively get our arms around that and, and solve this issue? Because homelessness is, is not a, a condition, it's a situation. And it hasn't really been around that long. This is a relatively early and recent phenomenon, only in the last 40 years, uh, when uh, right after the, uh, uh, the Mental Health Services Act was enacted by uh, President Carter, it was repealed the next uh, year by the incoming administration, along with the, uh, the omnibus budget uh, 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 enacted by uh, Reagan, which gutted uh, the HUD uh, by 77%. So you had these, these, the, this enormous hit uh, that affected poor people and people of color more than any other uh, demo in, in the country. So, mm-hmm. so I think, again, it's a relatively new uh, uh, issue that we, if we get our arms around it, it's solvable. Or at least should be talked about and discussed. Let's get in the conversation. Let's just get to do that. Let's get in the conversation. Well, this is the first time you've done this particular show with me. So, yes. Uh, we, yes. It ends in song. Oh. And rather than you asking, look at, look at the panic. No, no, know, no, not at all. I, right I have a wonderful but, singing voice. You're about to find out. No. Well, there's a song. <laughs> there is a song that ends the public. Yes. And it's a great song. And 
I would love to hear a little of, of that. Do we sing it together? Yes, or do I'll I do it. Mine? I know this song, so it's good. Ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. One, two, three. I can see clearly now the rain has gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we, got, we got enough of it. Yeah. I'm gonna, what is it, the end? There's going to be, be a, a bride, 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 sunshiny day. Emilio Estevez, the musical. Hey, Next. I don't I want to see, see a it. stint on Broadway happening. <laughs> <anytime soon. It's laughs> well, I like it. I like it. Emilio, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.